Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The, 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 breakdown. the Breakdown. Hey everybody, Sean King here. And what you are about to hear is the Momentum Advisors Show from Allen and Tiffany, where you will learn all about financial empowerment, financial decisions. You're going to learn all about financial freedom, and I can't wait for you to hear it. callers oftentimes we let you guys know if you do have questions about your personal portfolio please reach out to us go to our website set up a complimentary consultation we will spend time with you yes we will actually talk to you alan and tiffany we will get on a zoom with you and go through your portfolio with you then at the end the question is always like can you be my financial advisor do i need a financial advisor and the answer sometimes is yes and sometimes no but i know we've done a show where we've talked about like who needs a financial advisor I think we need to talk about like what type of question you need to ask your existing financial advisor. Or if you're looking for one and you're interviewing them, what are some good questions to ask them? A hundred percent. And also a lot of people who have corporate jobs, your job, your employer provides some sort of financial advisory access. If you consider that person your financial advisor, and I'm kind of 50-50 whether you should or not, but if you do, there's some questions that you need to ask him or her. Absolutely. So today is about what questions you need to be asking your financial advisor, present and future. future. Yeah, I like it. I like like it. it. All right. Now, don't call us asking us all these questions. Matter of fact, we should answer these questions as we go along for ourselves. Okay. For I know we have clients who listen, and so Mm -hmm. just to save you all a call, we're going to answer the questions. (laughs) I think they know these answers. Okay. (laughs) For those who might be interested in having us as their financial advisor, if we also want you as a client, we're going to go ahead and. Answer these questions up front. Yeah. All right. You sound so shady with that. If we also want you. I mean, it's a mutual decision. Yeah, no, I agree. So, you know, we, and I think a lot of our listeners who have reached out do find that out. It's yeah. a, everyone's not a good fit for us. We're That's not a good fact. fit for everybody. Yeah. We, we will only take on clients in our wealth management business if we think we can make a difference. And if we think it's worth the fee. That's it. For some folks. It's not worth it's it. It's really not worth it. Like there's certain things that. A lot of folks need to do before they hire a financial advisor. Yeah. Or the advice that we're going to give you probably for the next three to four years is going to be the exact same. So we'll just tell you over the phone one time and hope you stick to it. Yeah. You don't need to pay us regularly for that. But I will say we've had a few folks come back like, hey, we talked two years ago. I really love that. I got myself together now. Now I need some advice. We get people. We've been doing this for easily, I guess, five years now between the podcast and Mm -hmm. the radio show. Yeah. 
And we have people who we spoke to years ago yeah. and they either didn't have enough in assets or they weren't set up properly. They didn't have enough in emergency savings or we just concerned about some other things. We wanted them to take care of credit card debt or mm-hmm. whatever was going on. And we gave them the advice. Listen, this is what's working. This is what's not working. But you don't really need a financial advisor until you get these things in order. Yeah. And honestly, half the time, I think people are like flipping us off and are like, you know, thank you. Appreciate that. Well, forget Peace you. Out. Right. But yeah, forget you then. We have a good amount of people who years later will reach out and say, listen, I did all the things you told me to do. Mm-hmm. Let's get started. And some of them have a little chip on their shoulder, too. As like, they should. Like, you know, back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all no, want me. I'm, I, I think that's the thing that gives me like the most joy to see like you really, really listened. One and two, you didn't forget about us. That yeah. means a lot. And when they call back and I like, listen, I did all the things you told me to do. We're ready to go. We're ready mm-hmm. to get started. It's no question about it. So, you know, we're excited about that. But first, there's some questions you need to be asking your financial advisor. So the first question is, how will our advisor-client relationship work? Okay. This may sound like a preliminary question, something you ask someone you're just getting to know. But honestly, I think no matter how long you've had your financial advisor, this is a question that you need to ask. A lot of times you're unsure about how to navigate or manage your relationship. You're like, should I call? Is it is it important enough for me to call? Or should I just wait to hear from him? Or I haven't heard from my financial advisor in, in a couple months. You know, years. are they still my advice? Years? Are they still my advisor? You know, is the email the same? Am I allowed to call, you know, more than two times in one quarter? So you should just ask, yeah. hey. How will our advisor-client relationship work? This is something that we always say up front at Momentum Advisors, but this is the answer for us. Yeah, for us, one thing that I'm really proud of is that we've really designed, I think, a pretty good client plan. And that client plan really starts with a couple of meetings up front. The first meeting is when we just do a quick discussion on goals and numbers. The next meeting, we do an analysis of your investments and your and really come up with like the game plan. Like here are the things that we need to address in the few the next few months. And then beyond that, well, each... once you become a client, right? Because yeah. a lot of this is before you become a client. Once we both decide it makes sense for you to become a client, we have a lot of calls up front to get you onboarded, paperwork, push through, again, hone in again on what the goals are, the things that we talked about, making sure that you're really comfortable with the plan. And then after that, for us, we need to speak to you a minimum of once a quarter. Yeah, right? And that could look like a call. For some people, it looks like us just sending your portfolio along with our thoughts on what's happening with the market. And some people are comfortable and like, listen, I don't really need to talk this quarter. For some people, they want to go through it together over the phone or over Zoom. That's a minimum for us. Anything after that is really at your discretion. You're not paying for a certain number of calls or a certain number of emails in a period of time. Anytime you have a question, you're doing something different, you're unsure about something or your life is changing, we're down to have a call. That's the way our client advisor relationship works. A minimum of once a quarter, once we get you fully on board and are comfortable with the plan that we're rolling out. But you can call and we can talk as often as you want. Yeah. yeah. And I, I say a minimum once a year, we actually have to meet because we send the book out every quarter and we give folks the option to book a meeting. Not everybody does, but if it's been more than a year and we haven't spoken, then that's a problem. That's a problem. Now, in the beginning, I'll tell you things that we're working on in that in that first couple in those first couple of meetings, right? So we've got to get your risk tolerance down. Like what's the right portfolio relative to your goals? Then we've got to start the planning. So we use a really great software tool for planning that allows clients to really look at balances across their work plans as well as their accounts that we're managing and other 
checking accounts and credit cards. And we've got to get you onboarded into that system. And then we've got to work through our financial planning checklist and calendar that we do over time to make sure that we're over the course of a year, we're really getting through a full financial plan with a person. So that's the nature of our relationship. Perfect. Next question. How do you get paid? This is a question that you need to ask your advisor. Again, whether it's a new relationship or an existing relationship, be sure that you are clear on how you're paying this person, especially those advisors who are like, oh, we don't take a fee. Yeah, I am telling you for a fact, you are paying them, whether you know it or not, it is probably through commissions and loads, but they are getting paid. Yeah, and the person that says they don't take a fee is probably getting the biggest pay (laughs) ever. That's a fact. So please ask your advisor, again, current or future, how do you get paid? At Momentum, we take a fee, Mm -hmm. we tell you the fee up front, It is actually on a sliding scale based on the amount of assets that we manage. And it is a fee that we take based on, again, the amount of assets that we manage. We divide it up into quarterly payments throughout the year and we take it in arrears. So we start working first and then we get paid. But that's us. Advisors are allowed to take pay a lot of different ways. Some people do a flat fee. Again, a lot of people do fees and there's a number of other ways. There's also commissions and loads and kickbacks that people get that are not illegal at all. And you don't need to know about it. But if you ask, they should be honest and upfront about it. Yeah. And the way most financial advisors get paid, really, it's through those commissions. Now, if you're dealing with an advisor who is really, you know, an insurance-based advisor, meaning they're, they're working at a an insurance firm, they're going to get commissions on the sale of insurance. And you've got to understand that that might have an impact on what they're recommending to you because there's certain insurance products that have a much bigger commission than others. And the same thing with investment advisors. Like if they're with a brokerage firm, a lot of times there are commissions that you see, like they'll show up on your statement or your trade confirm, but then there's others that you don't see. So you've got to ask them, okay, what are all the ways that you get paid? Because unfortunately this is an industry where there's a lot of ways for folks to get paid and not all of them are completely transparent to the client. Got it. So next question, and we've talked about this a lot, so I feel like we do not need to go in depth. Are you a fiduciary? Go in depth. People don't understand this So for people who are new to the show, Momentum Advisors, we are a fiduciary. And what that means kind of really speaks to our last question. It means being a fiduciary speaks to how we get paid, right? And how we give investment advice based on our compensation. We only give non-biased investment advice or put you in non-biased investment vehicles. And so we don't get paid commissions. We voluntarily chosen based on our legal designation. We do not get paid for any investment vehicles that we recommend or put you in. Now, a lot of large firms are not fiduciaries and it's not illegal. Like I don't wanna put this out there as if they're doing a bad thing. What it just means for you is that the money that you think you're putting into an investment vehicle is getting a bit of a haircut before it arrives to its destination and it's going to your financial advisor. We get paid off of the fee that you agree to pay us. That's it. There is no bias. Our job is to only do what's in your best interest. We cannot do anything that would also benefit us. And by that, it means, again, putting you in certain vehicles that give us a little bonus, give us Mm -hmm. a little pay on the side, a little thank you pay for putting you in this vehicle. We do not do that. We do not get paid off of that. So anything that we recommend is because we genuinely feel like that is the best option for you. The only th- other thing I'd say about being a fiduciary is, you know, the, the financial industry is one of the few industries where they will sell you the same exact product at multiple prices. And people don't really understand that. 
Imagine walking into a restaurant and finding out that you paid a cover charge, but the guy next to you didn't. Imagine finding out that your chicken fingers cost $20 when theirs cost 10 And imagine finding out that there was gratuity included in your bill and they had a no gratuity policy on theirs. Like This is what happens with financial advisors and investments. And so that's why it's really important to understand not just how they get paid, but also if they're fiduciaries, because they've got a duty to only do what's in your best interest. And that includes not being able to legally accept any of those additional forms of compensation. Perfectly put. So we have more questions you need to ask your financial advisor. Stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. you so much for listening to the momentum advisors show this is sean king founder and ceo of the north star if you want to hear more shows like this featuring black and brown voices on the most important issues of the day head over right now to the northstar.com to discover all the podcasts we have to offer we have over 500 different episodes from six different podcast series and they're all great check them out we are back yes questions you need to ask your financial advisor Mm -hmm. even if you don't have one yet like maybe you're considering one or maybe you're working your way towards getting one these are the questions you need to have in your back pocket to make sure that you ask them so that you are very clear on the nature of your relationship and so that you get what you want out of having this person on your team yeah next big question what licenses and certifications do you have this one's a little rough for a lot of y'all, especially like because there are these financial coaches now and like financial motivators. I don't know. Like <laughs> everybody's a financial advisor. Gurus. Right. Just tell master you, classes, you know, budget expert. Right. And that's your financial advisor. These people have read some books, but it's a really strong chance that they're not licensed or certified in any capacity. And so they don't answer to anybody and there's no accountability to make sure they are doing things within the statutes of the law or at least the Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple question. Ask the question and be quiet. Like all these questions are ask them and be quiet questions and see what they say. So within financial advisory world, there's a lot of different licenses that need to be secured. And there's also certifications, like examples of certifications would be the big one is a certified financial planner designation. There's also the chartered financial analyst. These are designations that are not company specific. They're kind of industry standards. And just ask, like, what tests have you passed? What licenses do you have? What is your certification? But also, like, what's your education generally? Like, did you study finance and business in school? Did you just learn it on the job? Did you graduate? Like, cause what I often find is like folks are, especially folks who are like highly educated, not every advisor has a lot of education, right? And if you've got a master's degree, maybe you want an advisor with a master's degree or at least who went to college. And you just at least want to know the answer to that question, not to shade anyone that doesn't have a college degree that's advising, but you just want to know. Yeah. You still might like them. You still might want to work with them. You still might know some people who've had a really great experience with them, but you really just want to know. Because in reality, anyone who charges a fee and gives you investment advice is required to have at least some kind of license. Yeah. And so you want to know what it is. You also want to know if it's in good standing. 
Next question, what is your investment philosophy? Yeah, that's a big question. Like you're getting my money. What are you investing in? And shut up, let them answer. Now, I will tell you if the answer is, oh, we've got somebody else that picks the investments and I don't know what they're going to pick, but they're going to tell me like that. That's a really bad scenario to be in. I hope no one's like answering like that. I hope. I mean, if, if it sounds like they're saying a lot of words, but words. ultimately it's not up to them and yes. they just kind of see how the strategists decide. Matter of fact, if in any of these questions, you get a lot of words. Yeah. But you, and then after the words, you're not sure what the answer was. Mm-hmm. If it didn't make sense to you. Yeah. It's a cause for concern. These are really easy questions to answer for a financial advisor. You do not need to get the runaround. If it's not a rare, very solid answer, yeah, might yeah. be a little cause for but, concern. But the issue I will say is that a lot of financial advisors are really salesmen mm. in the sense that they're not really knowledgeable about investments and economics and financial markets. And so they might not be capable of give, of managing the investments, for example. So they might be more comfortable handing it off to someone, but you need to understand how your money's being managed. Yeah. Right? And so that's really a super important question. Also, you may feel like the financial advisor has the philosophy that you have, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, I told them what I wanted and so that's what they did. That's not necessarily true, right? Like different firms operate under different ways of thinking. Um, being a budget investor, there's a lot of different investment philosophies that are out there. And so, yes, how you feel and what you want is taken into heed, but they still have an overall way that they run their firm. And so that's kind of what you want to know. Mm-hmm. And I'll answer the question for us. Since Do you, it. I know you were going to ask that. I could see that look in your I eye. Mean, that little, answer, that twinkle in your it's eye. A twinkle. It's yeah, a twinkle. Yeah, I saw it. It glimmered yeah. for a moment. You know. All right. So a couple things that are part of our investment philosophy. Number one, it's the idea of diversification, meaning it means owning a variety of types of investments beyond just stocks and bonds. Number two, I'd say we're very global. Number three, we're long-term investors. And number four, we have a value bias, meaning we think about not just what price we pay, but what value do we get from the investments that we purchase. That's fair. I like it. Okay. I'll become a client. Final thing I'll say is we're also very socially responsible in how we think. That's a fact. We give our clients the idea. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, we give clients the opportunity (laughs) to express themselves through their investments. Your investments should say something to the world, Mm -hmm. and we make sure that we listen to our clients so that their money is speaking for them. But even if you don't bring it up, we're going to do it anyway. It's going to say something regardless. Okay, because we believe that investing in a socially responsible capacity will give you better returns. Yeah, that's right. And make you feel better, too. And make us feel better. And it might keep the world from blowing up. A little bit. Yeah, it might make some black folks and women happy (laughs) the way we manage money. Why not? Next question, which is kind of in the same ballpark. How do you decide on asset allocation, right? So asset allocation is the composition of your portfolio. Stocks versus bonds versus gold and commodities of real estate, all the things. How do you come up with your asset allocation for your clients? At Momentum, we take a variety of things into consideration, like your age, Mm -hmm. risk tolerance, Mm -hmm. goals, Mm -hmm. desired retirement date. Mm -hmm. Those are the Income needs. There you go. Mm -hmm. Family goals. Your personality. Word. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that we take into consideration. You want to ask your financial advisor, hey, how do you decide on asset allocation? And just as Alan said, get quiet. Don't leave them. Don't say, well, Alan and Tiffany do this. Just see what their answer is. Yeah. Very important question. Yeah. And on that same note, investment funds, how do you pick between, if there's two different funds that you want to own, how do you pick between them? 
That's a good question. Just curious. You know. Hey, just want to know. Next question. Will I work with anyone else on your team? Mm. So here's the thing that I love. When people set up their complimentary consultation, mm-hmm. they're always shocked that it's you and I on the phone. Yeah, it's Alan and Tiffany. They think that we're in the flesh. Push, no, we're not in the flesh. <laughs> we in are in the, the flesh. In the phone. In the know. phone flesh. Yes, in the phone flesh. Um, they think we're going to put them off on somebody else, which is not the case. Again, there are, first of all, there's a variety of people at Momentum Advisors. It is not just Alan and Tiffany. Yeah. If you want to talk to the other people, they have their own ways of you getting in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Right? When you select that you want a complimentary consultation, especially if you refer to the podcast, you will talk to us. Sure will. There are plenty of people who reach out and say, I want to talk to Kyle. Yeah. I went to Howard. I want to talk to Andrea. I went to Hampton. I went to Hampton. Or I, I just want to talk to, because Andrea's the bomb, right? Mm-hmm. There's, I want to talk to Will. Or Jason, there's a lot of people at Momentum. So we're not taking every call that comes through. Know that for a fact. But if you want to talk to us, you will talk to us. Now, if it comes to a point where we do think it's a good fit for you to become a client and you're really interested in becoming a client... We may decide, you know what? This person will be a really great fit for somebody else. Not because we're pushing you off and don't want you, but because we really are mindful of wanting you to have the best experience possible. Yes. Okay. And so, like, for instance, we have Andrea who graduated from Hampton, but she's grew up in the same town that we grew up in, but she's a sports mom, right? Mm-hmm. Like her daughter is sick in sports. You might have a very similar situation going on. And so you might find cohesion talking to Andrea. So again, you want to ask your advisor, who am I going to be talking to? Am I going to be dealing with anyone else also for Momentum? If you become a client of specifically Alan and Tiffany, you will still speak to other people at the firm mm-hmm. who, whether it's a support person, whether it's an insurance specialist, there's a variety of other things that we offer. And so we put you in touch with specialists inside the firm. So your advisor, but you want to know, we give you a team. It's not one and done with us. That that is very true. So you do want to ask your financial advisor the same question. Yeah. And I think this is also important because you need to know who you're dealing with. Like, what if you have a question on this versus that? Who do I call for that? You also don't want a stranger calling like, hey, this is such and such. I work with, with, uh, you know, such and such company. Sounds like fraud to me. Yeah. I don't know about this. Every time you reach out, it's a different person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Are you on the website? Antennacles up. Mm, Antennacles. Mm. Because that's not a word. I said antenna goes up. Oh, I thought you said antenna. Okay. Yeah, I said my. I it's either tentacles yeah. or okay. My antenna goes up, and then you said antentacles. I'm like, yeah, those go up too. Then <laughs> <laughs> fine. Got you. We've got another important question. Okay. Do you specialize in any certain type of client? Mm. So we often get asked. You know, I don't know if I'm your type of client. I don't know if I make enough money for you guys. I don't mm. know if you work with people like me. And our answer is always the same. What's the answer? I'm, I would like to hear this answer. Our answer is it's always we work with people who we like. Oh, and yeah. Feel like we can add value to. Oh, yeah. That's what we oh always say. Oh, yeah. So it's not <laughs> that's like a, good a one. certain income like requirement, that. right? It's not a certain industry or field or you have to be an entrepreneur or you have to be a C-suite executive. It's none of those things. For us, after going through your profile, if we see areas where we genuinely feel like we can add improvement on a long-term basis... You are our type of client. Also, if we like you. Yeah, that's We've that's been true. on a couple calls, not a lot, yeah. but we've had few instances. We don't want you or your money. Yeah, some people are dicks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cover your kids' ears. That's the word my kids are very familiar with. I, I use that word that. all the time. I, th- I was expecting like rude. 
same thing. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. That's a fact. Also, you know, again, it's, it's, we have our own personalities. And so we want to make sure we're a good fit as financial advisors for us. It's really built around a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. We don't want you as a client. Yeah. For us, I, I will say $1 amount that makes sense is that because we have a minimum fee, because again, we don't Correct. charge commissions. So there's a minimum fee that we charge. It tends to make sense for, for folks that have at least $250,000 to invest. In liquid assets. And that could be an IRA. It could be a 401k at work. It could be a number of different things. But if it's less than that. But it can't be real estate because we don't really manage. Yeah, we can't manage it. We can't manage that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if it's less than that, our fee becomes onerous. And that's not really doing you a favor if you've got $36,000 and now you're paying a fee as if you've got 250K and now it's really working against you. Yeah. And so we'll kindly and graciously explain to you that maybe we're not the ones for you right now. Correct. This is a question you need to ask your financial advisor. Again, upfront, every financial advisor is different. Every firm is different. Every department of large firms is different. You just want to know what their answer is. Yeah. Also on that note of specialty, some firms specialize in certain industries. Some specialize in entrepreneurs mm-hmm. or executives or lawyers or doctors. Like if you, if that matters, if there are certain things about your profession, certain things about your state of, like the stage you are in life, I'm retired, I'm a pre-retiree, just ask the question because you don't want to be the, you know, MBA player with the financial advisor who only works with- Doctors. I was going to say um, carpenters, but okay. fine. Truck drivers. Or, or maybe you want to be. Right. You know? Who knows? Maybe there's some corollaries there. You just want to know. So this question may sound like a question that we brought up earlier, but it's actually very different. What will my total cost be? Mm. Right? And so we talked about fiduciary. We talked about how do I get paid? There is still more fees. Yeah. There's still other fees that happen. There's trading fees. Mm -hmm. There's various administrative fees for being in certain funds. There's account fees. There's all types of different little fees. And at Momentum, we try to keep them as low as possible, but they exist. And so you just want to ask the question. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer, but there has to be an answer that's suitable for you. You may be comfortable in paying a lot of fees for whatever reason, or you may be very fee conscious. And so ask the question. I'm guaranteeing you when you reach out to your advisor or when your advisor reaches out to you and say, you know what? I think we need to do some trading in your account. Y'all freak out, right? Because the market's going down. You're like, get me out of these stocks. Get me out of these different investments. There's a, there's a fee associated with that. Like it's small. It's a couple dollars, a couple cents here and there. You want to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, And then if, you know, for example, with us, we might tell someone they need to get an estate plan done. We might mm. even go so far as to recommend an attorney. An accountant. Probably a black attorney. I, I will say most yeah. of the attorneys you work with are African-American persuasion. We will often talk about your accountant. Yeah, your accountant also. So they might charge additional fees and you might consider that, oh, that, I thought that was included. Hell no. Yeah. Not at Momentum. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Not no, but hell no. <laughs> Not at Momentum. We are cursing up a storm I today. I was just saying, like, again, these are these are also service providers, right? They get their own fee just because we know them, <laughs> right? Like, And we're not getting any commission from them. We're not getting any kickback. We no. are really only recommending you to people who we've worked with and we know will do a really great job for you, but you got to pay them Yeah, no, separately. Right. Yeah. They need, their family needs nutritional content as well. There you go. <laughs> so what are the total fees? This is a really big question because we don't really think about this or we think about it, but people don't really think about it. How will your investment strategy for me 
affect my tax bill. Yeah, this is a big one, particularly if you've got a brokerage account where you have to pay taxes on an ongoing basis. If they're doing a lot of trading in and out, guess what? Your tax bill is going to be significantly higher versus if you're investing through your IRA account. And so you really want to know, just ask the question about what are you going to do and how's it going to impact my taxes? Yeah, because a really big tip is you want your financial advisor to be mindful about where they're placing your assets for growth based around, again, an overall tax strategy. Yeah, what I'll say on that one is this idea of if you've got multiple pockets of money and each pocket has a different tax treatment, you can't just be thinking about what's my tax bill now. You've also got to think about what will my tax bill be when I'm 60 years old and taking money from my retirement account. Yeah, because a lot of people are often thinking, all right, I've got, I can put away this much money every month. I'm going to just break it up equally. I'm going to put a third in here, a third over there, and a third in this account. That may not be what you want to do. And then you don't want to invest them all the same because, again, the tax treatment may be different and you may be racking up a major tax bill right now that might not be necessary. Facts. So definitely ask your advisor, how will your investment strategy affect my tax bill? That also comes with making changes in your investment portfolio. Again, when the market's down and y'all start freaking out and we don't necessarily agree, but hey, sell all of my such a Peloton stock. Mm. If you made money on your Peloton stock. I'm shocked if you did. <laughs> I did still. Yeah. But if you made money on your Peloton stock, you're creating a tax bill for yourself. Yeah. If there is no plan for what happens with that money thereafter, right? So ask the questions. Every time you throw out a demand or there's a conversation that's had around strategy. All right. So what does this look like from a tax treatment perspective? Great. Okay. I like these questions so far. We got a couple more to go, though. Big question. And hopefully your financial advisor is asking you this instead of you asking them, when can I retire? So this is a really big question that hopefully your financial advisor has asked you about before you asking them, right? So you should ask your financial advisor, when can I retire? But you want them to have already asked you, hey, when do you want to retire? That's a question that we ask often. When would you like to retire? We will let you know if we think it's realistic or not or what needs to happen to get you to that point. But if you haven't had that conversation yet, you need to ask pretty quickly, hey, based on all the information that you have, the strategy that's in place and everything that I got going on, when do you think I can retire? Yeah, and this is a big one right now with all the ups and downs in the market. Market's down, stock's down, bonds are down. Ask them, how's my retirement picture looking right now? Like I know what it looked like three years ago when I became a client, but maybe it's different now, now that the market's down. Good question. Exactly. And then now that we're in the retirement train and when I will retire, what will my income be? Especially if you don't plan on continuing to work. So a lot of people in retirement, the goal is to live off of the growth of your assets, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're doing this right, you just want to live on the growth of your assets, not really touching your principal. Yes. If you can avoid it. So you want to ask how much income can I take based on my investments during retirement. And hopefully it's enough for you to live comfortably Word. without Because retirement's going to look like a job yeah. if that's not the case, right? And so that might be the answer. Listen, you don't have enough. So you're also going to need to work. Now we can scale it back. You need to, you can work a part-time job. You, you know, also need to factor in social security if mm -hmm. it still exists, right? A pension, if you get that, all these things need to be taken into consideration to help you understand what your income can and or will be in retirement. And that should help you frame 
what you need to be working on now. Do you need to pay that house off? Do you need to downsize? Wow. Should you not be buying a new car? What? Or can you ball till you fall? Mm. I, I will tell you, I, I have an issue telling people not to do things exactly. that they deserve. But like sometimes I do hit the brakes on people like, hey, you really got to get the the new Tesla? Like, can can you? Well, that's a really great point, Alan. Like, it's not your financial advisor's job to tell you what you can and cannot do. It is their job to tell you how you can do the things that you've expressed that you want to do. But also to tell you the impacts of how this decision will affect Mm. other things down the road. Very true. Very true. Sometimes it's like, okay, I can make a better decision. If I'm the client, I can make a better decision if I I have all the information. Yeah. So our job is to give you all the information. So we do always ask prospects, potential clients and existing clients, when would you like to retire? The answer isn't always nice. Matter of fact, I feel like... Oftentimes, our answer is better than what they expect Mm -hmm. with the people who reach out to us. Like, hey, you can retire a lot sooner than you think. Or I don't know what you meant by the word retirement. Yeah. Right? Do you plan on still working? Because what you have saved currently and the way that you are currently putting money away is looking a little bleak. Yeah. Their money is funny and their credit won't get it. There you go. It won't get it. That's what um, Jerome would say. (laughs) Not Jerome Powell. Yeah, not drawing power. <laughs> but he's trying to make your money funny. He is for sure. Yeah. But we got a couple more questions that we really want you to ask your financial advisor. And if you don't have a financial advisor and maybe you manage your own money, you manage your own budget, or maybe it's you and your spouse, maybe these are questions you guys should be asking each other mm-hmm. until you actually get a financial advisor. But stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. It's the pathway to Thank you so much for listening to the Momentum Advisors Show. This is Sean King, founder and CEO of the North Star. If you want to hear more shows like this, featuring black and brown voices on the most important issues of the day, head over right now to thenorthstar.com to discover all the podcasts we have to offer. We have over 500 different episodes from six different podcast series, and they're all great. Check them out. We are back. Yes. So we're still talking about questions you need to ask your financial advisor, but I think I need to pivot. Questions you might need to ask yourself, your spouse. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're in an investment club. Maybe it's you and your homegirls and y'all talk about your money. Mm -hmm. These are questions that need to be asked. But before we left, we were talking about retirement, right? Because for all of us, it's kind of like that, that, that pie in the sky. The day I'm, I could walk away from the man yeah, or, you know, I don't got to work no more. Whatever it looks like for you, I could just travel all the time. Mm. So this is a question you should ask your financial advisor. How do I plan for taxes and retirement? Because here's the thing. Even when you get old, the IRS is going to want their money. It's a fact. It is. Um, it's a crying shame. You, you can never age out of taxes. Yeah, you really don't. And even I think at a certain age, you shouldn't have to pay taxes no more, especially if you live to 100. And if you're black. Word. <laughs> if you're black and over the age of 35, you shouldn't have to pay taxes. Yeah, we were with a client this week, and we were just talking about his estate plan and estate taxes. My man was about to cry when he heard how much the death taxes are on estates. So there's literally no avoiding the yeah. tax, man. It's a tax bill when you die. But your advisor should be factoring taxes in. It should not just be an assumption that you can take out 
a hundred dollars, you're gonna have a hundred dollars to spend because yeah. you won't. I mean, you can spend it, yeah. but you're gonna owe some back. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. Another big question: How has my net worth changed? Right. So this is with a financial advisor or someone that you're working with regularly. And so maybe on a yearly basis or maybe twice a year or maybe every other year, you want to ask the question, how has my net worth changed and why has it changed? Yeah. Knowing your net worth is really important and really just understanding the wealth that you're building overall. It's a very big picture question. You want to understand how it works and what goes into determining your net worth. But what it was when you started is very different from what it will be over time if your financial advisor and you are doing your part. Yeah. So you want to ask every so often, how have things changed and what are the factors that caused the change? Yeah. And hopefully your net worth is growing. Like I'm super proud that we we just hit 10 years in business and we have a, a number of folks who came to us at one wealth level and now they're substantially higher than that. And it's a combination. It's not all our magic. It's also you doing your part. I think the biggest part that contributes to someone's net worth growing is how much they're putting into their investments. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think their net worth is based around their income or their salary. Mm. And that is not the case. Yeah, really. And so your net worth hasn't increased because you're making more money. You yeah. could actually have less net worth and be making more money. Yeah, you got to make good decisions. You got to make good decisions. You got to invest in really great assets. And that might that asset might just be your home. Has the value of your home increased significantly? Mm -hmm. That's a major bump to your net worth. Have you paid down some debt? That's a bump to your net worth. Mm -hmm. Have you acquired a ton of debt? You know, last week we did the show about the student loan relief program. And then mm -hmm. maybe you got a little bit of your student loan paid off. That has increased your net worth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. So ask on a semi-regular basis, has my net worth changed? And what are the factors that have contributed to the change? Yes. Another really good one is, how are my investments performing relative to the market? Yeah. This, I think this is a question y'all love. I don't yeah. think I need to tell you to ask this question. Yeah. So every investment portfolio should have a benchmark that it's compared to. And that benchmark should really match the components of what you're invested in. So for example, a lot of people look at the S&P 500. That's the Standard & Poor's 500, which is the list of the top largest 500 stocks in the United States. But it's all stock. So a lot of people say, well, look, the, the S&P is up 12%. Why am I only up 8 it's not really a good comparison point because there's no bonds in the S&P. There's no cash in the S&P, right? So you really want to make sure that your bench, your, your portfolio is benchmarked against a representative set of indexes. So for us, we use a blend. We'll use a blend of stocks and bonds, and we'll use that as a relative performance tool to know if you're doing well relative to those benchmarks. And it's if you don't have benchmarks on your reports, like that's a problem. And I will say, a lot of financial firms remove benchmarks because they don't want to be accountable. Yeah. They don't want clients making those comparisons. They don't want it to be known that they're underperforming. And so they just take the benchmarks off altogether. It is important to look at the benchmarks. And something that does come with benchmarks that's really based on you, people oftentimes are like, well, the market's up this much. So why isn't my portfolio up this much? Well, you might have a very different risk tolerance. Right. Like there's a lot of factors that come from who you are as a person that help determine what your benchmarks should be. So you might not go up as much as the market goes up, but you also might not go down as much as the market goes down. And that speaks to your asset allocation based on a lot of the factors that we mentioned earlier. You may be retiring soon. So you don't need to be playing that heavy in the market. There's a variety of different things that are taken into consideration when it comes to your benchmarks. And so you just want to ask that question regularly. 
How are my investments performing relative to the market and my benchmarks? Another question that's related to that question of how am I doing towards retirement? What are my other priorities financially? Like, how am I doing relative to those? Is one thing yeah. that we, we really do at the beginning of relationships is we sit down over the phone with a client and we go through their goals. And some are financial, some are not financial, but we really talk about what are all the things you want to accomplish by, let's say, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And your advisor should really be that accountability partner to look at how you're working towards each of those goals over time. Yeah, because how you start is not how you want to finish. And so the conversations that you started with your financial advisor should be very different over the years. And so you want to know about the progress of all the things, not just how much money you have in the bank account, but again, how much have we saved towards you know, my child's college fund or, you know, how far have I come in paying off this mortgage? There's a variety of things that go into your financial health, into your financial profile. And so you want to check in and make sure that progress is being made because honestly, if it's not, it's a, you, you need a new financial advisor. Like it's either you or them, right? Or both. We get clients who are just not doing their part, no matter how many times we tell them what they should be doing and no matter how many calls we get and say, hey, that's not the direction you want to be moving in. But if you're not making progress in all of your financial goals, you got to have a tough conversation with somebody. And it oftentimes is you. Yeah, facts. So a couple more questions you should be asking. Okay. Um, next question would be, Am I getting smarter from this relationship? Mm. Am I learning? Am I growing? Do I know more today than I did when I hired you? Really great question because the goal is not for you to be solely dependent on your financial advisor when it comes to your own assets or when it just goes or when it just comes to knowledge about money, wealth, the market, investments, period. Facts. Yeah, you should be getting a lot smarter over time. Next you really want to ask, how comfortable am I with this person? Like, mm. do I do I have a connection with them? Can I talk to them about the things that I really am kind of ashamed to talk to anybody else about? Do I like them? Yeah. Right? Like, it's your job. You want to like this person. You don't have to work with someone you don't like. There's a number of financial advisors out in the world. You can find someone that you really like talking to. Do they talk down to you? Do they make you feel uncomfortable in your decisions? Do they chastise you for mistakes? Again, it's our job to share the impact that your decisions have on your financial future, but we can't discipline you for them. Facts. Last two questions. Do I feel heard? Mm. And what I mean by that is that, and this is something that I've had to work on as an advisor over time. Like your client is the one who's in charge of what happens to their money, of what their goals are. Like we recently had a client decide he wants to give all his money to charity. I could have said, well, and I, you know, I know he's got children and, Godchildren and whatnot, I, I could have pushed back and said, you know, you sure you want to do that? What about your kids? But he wanted to be heard. Like, there's a reason why he wants his money to go to charity. Like, are you being heard or are you being pushed a, a different direction when you have a feeling about things? No matter whether you're right or wrong, it's your feeling. You're entitled to that opinion. Is your advisor listening to you? Do you feel heard? Is a question. And then finally, are you expressing yourself properly through your money? We talked a little bit earlier about asset allocation. And I think a lot of financial advisors are going to get this right. They're going to pick the right mix of stocks and bonds. But the thing that I don't think most advisors get right is the social aspect of your portfolio. Do I have, like, if I'm really, really pro-Black or if I'm really a feminist, like, does my portfolio look that way? Do I have Black money managers? Do I have black owned firms in my portfolio? Do I have 
women-owned firms in my portfolio? Am I investing in a way that's avoiding funding the prison industrial complex? Am I investing in a way that is profiting from gun violence, for example? These are really, really important things. And you've got to have that conversation. And the, the, the answer can't be, oh, well, wouldn't that be nice? Or, oh, you'll probably make less money that way. It's important to me. This goes back to feeling heard. It's important to me that my money says something positive about me. Your advisor needs to be able to look through your current portfolio and give you some feedback on what the impact is on the world. Your advisor also needs to be able to position your portfolio in a way that better addresses what you want to say to the world through your investments. I think we gave you a lot of questions. A lot of questions to ask your financial advisor, maybe some questions to ask yourself or your spouse. But if you are in any type of financial relationship with a service provider, these questions have to be on the table. Yeah. And and for the record, it was 21 questions and it's all about us. (laughs) Alan was dying to do that. I was hoping it wouldn't come up, but it did. And so now we have to end the show. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. 21 questions, yo. (laughs) I'm I'm Alan Boomer. We're the Momentum Advisors and we'll be back next week.